0: Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible and a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in. Welcome morning, church family. Yeah, you know what's awesome about you being here today? Is that this day of all calendar year is the lowest attended Sunday. In the entire nation of America is this Sunday, the lowest attended Sunday. And you're here, right? You're in the house. And those watching online, enjoy the campground wherever you are. Now, our prayer as a staff on Thursday was actually that wherever you found yourself online, that you would... At least feel the prompting of the Spirit to jump online and engage that way if you couldn't be here in this physical building. So welcome those watching online. In church world, this is known as Youth Pastor Sunday. Because most of the time, lead pastors never preach on this Sunday. But you're stuck with me today, okay? And we're going to jump into our Awakened series, the book of Acts. But before we jump there, I want to bring just a few little uh, announcements on the front end of the message. Then we'll jump in together. So uh, how many of you know that if you live in our community here in Sturgis, school is out on Friday? Right? We know this. All right. Any parents like, never mind. How many parents are excited, honestly, that your kid is home for the summer? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Yeah, we won't ask the opposite question in case your kid's actually sitting with you, right? We don't want to do that. Um, but we know when a kid is done with school and entering the summer months, they're already thinking that they're the next grade. Friday in Sturgis is a half day in our community. Those kids, as soon as that bell rings and they're out, they automatically in their head think they're the next grade, right? So next Sunday is what we're celebrating in our kids ministry and in our preteen is called Move Them Up. This idea that they're moving up, right? So they're going to have a party and all sorts of things. So That's going to happen next week where it's the last goodbye and move them up that they're all moving to the next grades in the ministries here at Radiant Life. Also this summer, as we've been promoting the last few weeks, that we have our summer life groups kicking off. They kick off next week. So I really hope that you would sign up at the theradiantlife.church. Get involved that way. We've got sermon-based life groups. We've got topical-based life groups. But I love life groups and just living in biblical community and digging into God's word a little bit more. Here's a cool fact. I'm sorry for you that are present today in this room. However, you can get it next week, Lord willing. We have these that we're selling at cost. They are the CSB Scripture Notebook on Mark. Because starting next week, we are jumping into the book of Mark. All summer, Mark has 16 weeks. There are technically, in June, July, and August, there are 14 weeks. So a couple of weeks, we're going to have to do two chapters together. But this has all the scripture on one side. The other side has a bunch of blank lines for your note-taking. So this would be awesome to have this and follow along all summer long, as well as you take this to your life group, if you're joining a sermon-based life group. So it's just at cost for $7. We ordered hundreds of them. We have received in the mail, as of this morning, only 37 of them. And all 37 of them had been purchased from the previous service. So, Lord willing... Come on, Amazon, get them here so we can sell them next week and have them in your hand as we engage in the book of Mark. So when you come in for this service, would you check the cafe? Because that's if you're interested, that's where we're selling them for $7. just at cost price. And so it's really cool. Highlight it, put your notes, and then you've got this nice thing to take to your life group. But uh, I would check the cafe before you come in next week as I kick off Mark chapter one with us next week in case you want to write your notes on that. And then, uh, starting in June, next week is June 4th on Sunday, we have our Next Step experience that we will run all, all, all four services during the 11 o'clock, or all four weekends during the 11 o'clock in our Next Steps experience room. If you go out these doors and hang a left, that, those are the glass doors and people are in there right now eating food. They're understanding my story, the church's story. They're understanding spiritual gifts and just trying to figure out and and ask Holy Spirit, what's my next step? What's my next step? We all have a next step. Each and every one of us. Don't get stagnant in our faith. We're never called to be stagnant. The number one action in our faith is two letters. G-O. Go. There's always movement in our faith. And so if you want to check out Next Steps Experience, please sign up at theradiantlife.church because they serve food. And um, I have to apologize to the people in there. I was offered a piece of bacon before the class got in there. They ran out of bacon because I had a piece. So this is great. They've they got food. I mean, sometimes you smell it. You know it. You walk in, you're like, oh man, what's that smell? It's probably them or it's our worship team behind this wall eating some great food as well. All right. How many of you really love food? Yeah, come on. All right. God gave us taste buds for a reason. Praise God for that. Well, let's jump in together to the book of Acts awaken. We'll be in Acts chapter nine, but I'm excited that you're here today. I'm, we've got an incredible story to look at today. This story shows us this principle. The story that you and I will engage with today shows us the power of the gospel can save anyone. It can save anyone. I love what Paul writes to the house churches in Rome. In Romans 1:16 he says this, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel," which means the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he tells us why, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He's not afraid that he's a follower of Jesus. Because he knows when he brings the gospel, it has power to save. Because God can save anyone. Amen, friends? Come on, God can save anyone. And that's the setup to Acts 9 1 through 19 with the message God can save anyone. So here we go, we're gonna jump in. As you get there in your Bible or your tablet, this story is great. This story has two nuances to it. We're going to see a guy get saved, and then we're going to see someone who's afraid of the guy that got saved. So it's going to be a fun story to unpack. As you turn there, I want to turn your attention to a map to get us in to the geographical location of the story. This is ancient Israel. The circle at the very top in yellow is a city called Tarsus. We're told later in the book of Acts that the guy we meet today, by the way, his name is Saul, will eventually become Paul, okay? So for today's continuity, unless it's up on scripture and it says Saul, I'm going to call him Paul. Is that okay? So we all understand, same guy. Saul is Hebrew. Paul is Greek, meaning, name. So he has this name change from a Hebrew name to a Greek name because he will eventually go out and be the greatest first century missionary in the entire ancient world, reaching the Gentiles. There's two major people groups at this time, Jews. And if you weren't a Jew, you're a Gentile, everyone else. And so Saul has this name changed to a Greek name, which is Paul, because he's gonna go reach all the Gentiles in the Greco-Roman world. We are told in Acts that he's from that city up there, which in your scripture is known as Asia, okay? So anytime in God's word you see Asia or Asia Minor, it's not talking about Asia, as we know today. It's talking about right there, known as Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. That's where he's from. And then just to the southeast, you see a city called Antioch. That will become the headquarters for Paul, if you will. That will eventually become the Christian headquarters. Everything will be sent out from Antioch to the ancient world from there. Now, we're told this, that he's born in Tarsus in Asia Minor, also known as present-day Turkey. He's born there. His public ministry begins in Antioch and we're told throughout church history that Paul's dad was a Roman citizen. This is key because one day, eventually Paul will stand before the Roman Emperor and bring the gospel message to the Roman Empire. And how does Paul get there, get into the presence of a Roman emperor? It's because of his Roman citizenship, because of dad was a Roman uh, citizen. How many of you know, sometimes there are things in our past and in our family line that may seem less than glorious, but God will use for his glory, and he's going to use Paul's upbringing and background in order to find purpose and bring him into in front of the Roman Empire of the entire ancient world. The most powerful person Paul will begin to preach the gospel to. He'll at least be able to stand in front of him and bring it to the empire. God can use your story no matter what it is for his glory. And what has happened to you and in your family line could be, he could be setting up a deep legacy for you to do ministry in the name of Jesus. And here we are. We're first told about who this Paul character was in Acts chapter seven. This is the very first time we're introduced to him. In Acts chapter seven, verse 58, it says this, they dragged him, referring to Stephen The very first Christian martyr that died. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man man named Saul. This is the very first time we're introduced to the character of our story today. That he's there at a stoning of Stephen. Now I want to bring you quickly to an ancient world to understand how stoning worked in the ancient world. That person, as scripture even said, they would drag whoever they're going to stone out of the city, drag them and put them down on their back with their chest exposed. One person would pick up the largest boulder they could handle, stand over that individual and drop it, hitting their chest. If that did not kill the person, then the crowd around could pick up their stones and throw it at that individual to kill them. This is why if you think, and if you know the book of Acts a little further back, it says Paul, this guy right here, Paul will eventually get stoned himself. And you know what he does after he gets stoned? They said they left him for dead and he got back up. And you know where he goes? Back into that city that they just drug him out to stone him. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I ain't going back there. Nope, this is bad news, but Paul goes back. And you wonder why does it say that they left him for dead? My assumption is more than likely that one person dropped the big rock on his chest, thought he was dead. Yeah, he's probably dead. And they thought they did their job. And he comes right back up and goes right back in that city. So little ancient stoning for you. See, we gotta define stoning. Stoning has a different meaning in today's culture. Completely different meaning. And the rest of you will laugh at lunch when you get that joke. Okay. So it says this then. This is the second time we're introduced to Paul. It said Saul agreed with putting him, Stephen, to death. Two verses later, Saul, however, was ravaging the church. And he would enter house to house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. This dude was bad. He did everything in his power to stop out the Jesus movement. He's there as they laid garments, as a casted vote to say stone Stephen. He was there that agreed to stone Stephen. And now he's going around dragging men and women who follow Christ and put them into prison. He's a bad man. In fact, he writes about how bad he was. He writes to a young pastor named Timothy who went on a couple missionary journeys with him, who was Paul's like little protege, little Padawan. And he writes to Timothy and he says this about himself. He says, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, I used to do this stuff. And then he goes on a little further and he says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. And he sits there and he tells us, and he describes, I'm a bad, I was a bad dude. And all of a sudden, his life will be changed forever with one contact with Jesus. Here's my point number one, and we're gonna dive into Acts 9. Point number one is this. Salvation begins with divine contact. Salvation begins with divine contact. God always initiates salvation. We looked at this last week. I told us the theological term. If you were here last week, you remember what that theological term was? Where the Holy Spirit works in someone's heart prior to salvation. It's known as what? You remember it? Prevenient grace that there is a working already on the hearts of men and women that you and I are called to then to bring the gospel message to. He's working. Salvation always begins with the working of God on someone's life. And here he is. There is a working that's going to happen. And the story picks up with this map. That we have Paul and he's traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus with papers in hand to arrest Christians. And that is about 140 miles. In other words, on foot, that is a week's journey. That's a long way to walk. 140 miles. You must have passion. To put Christians into prison, if you're willing to go 140 miles on foot, ready to put people in jail. And he gets almost all the way up to Damascus and he's going to encounter Jesus. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now, Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, which are the Jewish churches, if you will, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Not only does Paul have to go 140 miles, hey, Paul, you gotta walk that back. And not only that, now you got prisoners of Jesus to take back with you. That's his plan. And here's what's fascinating. They don't call them Christians yet. It's not a little bit till a couple more chapters we get until they're finally called Christians, disciples or followers of Jesus. At this point in history, they're known as the way. Why were they called the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the way. And so before they're known as Christians, everyone knows them as the way. The way. They have a way of life, of following after this Jesus. Come on now. How many of you know Christianity is more than a belief, but a way of living? It's more than just this head knowledge, but it's my life that follows after this Christ. It's my life that he, what he does, I do. That I'm a disciple of him. I'm a follower of him. It's not just I believe here, but it's a heart transformation and a way of life. This is why they're known as the way at first. Now, I do want to shout out a little disclaimer because I don't want you to now start looking up the way because the way international now is a cult, (laughs) okay? They've gone wild. They have an organization and they've taken it off the rails, So don't start going, oh, I'm going to look up the way. Stay far away now, okay? So, looking, oh yeah. It's always, not just head knowledge, but it's a way of life. Anytime someone comes to Jesus, there's always a U-turn moment. There's always that moment to say, I was going this way and I got to turn around and I'm going this way now. There is a U-turn moment in the life of every follower of Jesus. And Paul is about to hit his U-turn moment. Verse 3. As he traveled, he was nearing Damascus. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here's a guy that doesn't believe in this Jesus but wants to stop this Jesus thing out. And he hears him. Saw, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He hears the voice of Jesus. I think we all hear the voice of Jesus in one way or another, whether you look at the beauty of creation. You see the beauty of a sunset last night with the fingerprints of a creator all over it. My question is, when you hear it, will you respond to him? Will you respond? I think there's evidence of God all over uh, all over in creation. From the beauty of a sunset to the possibility that women can bear a child, another human being inside of them is miraculous. And I think you see the fingerprint of God everywhere. I think you you see the fingerprint of God in morality. Where does morals come from? If there is morality, even the worst criminals know You don't do certain things to kids. The worst criminals know that. Where does that come from? It's the image of God. If there is morality in life, there must be a moral giver. This thing doesn't happen. Millions of years ago in this soup of primordial soup that these atoms just so happened to come together at the right time with chance and boom, everything is as we see today. Come on, you see the fingerprint of God everywhere in humanity, the way we can love on each other and forgive one another. The way we bear another child. From the beauty of creation to the beauty of seasons. I see a fingerprint of God everywhere. The question is, will you respond to him? Will you respond? And Paul in the moment says, uh, Who are you, Lord? Paul responds with a question. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? Who are you? And I think there are some two most important questions anyone can ask. And it's these two. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? Every single one of us will have to answer that first question. Whether it's here in this life Or in the life to come in eternity. You will have to answer that question. Who are you Lord? In this life your knee will bow and surrender. Or you'll understand. You will never surrender to him. But one day when you meet your creator. You're going to say dang it I missed him. I missed him. And he's everywhere. His fingerprint is everywhere. The fact is. You and I don't even have to think about breathing. It just comes natural right? Wouldn't that be weird if you actually had to think that I have to like, okay, now inhale and exhale. Now inhale again and exhale. That is a miracle. Breathing is a miracle. It's a fingerprint of God. You will have to one day answer, who are you, Lord? As C.S. Lewis put it, there's either two responses. He's a liar and a lunatic, or he is your Lord and Savior, your choice. And the second is this. What do you want me to do? What is my purpose and calling in my life? Who am I that you created me to become? And for Paul, oh, Paul's gonna get both of these answered. He's gonna understand the reason why he was ever created in the first place. And Jesus' response to Paul's question, who are you, Lord, continues on. He says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Why are you persecuting me, he replied. Why? But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Why are you persecuting me? Which is point number two, that salvation brings about divine conviction. Salvation, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, there will be a conviction of our heart towards sin. We will understand the big gap that exists between us and God. And Jesus came to build that bridge back to the Father. We'll understand that our hearts have gone away. Our hearts is known as sin. Sin just means to miss the mark of God. And we sin. And we miss that mark. And God in his grace and in his truth says, this is the way. This is the way. Because true conviction births repentance. True conviction is when the Spirit of God convicts me of sin. I will turn from that way, my way, and the way of sin, and I will come running back to Jesus. I will come running back to God for the way he's designed me and the purpose of his creation order, not mine not mine and then verse 7 it picks up this is a fun story the men who were traveling with him stood speechless but hearing the sound but seeing no one Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open he could see nothing so they took him by the hand and led him to Damascus I wonder what it would have been like for those that group of men who were with him. Like, hey, he was normal, now he's not. Right, we don't even know, why are you on the ground? Like, what was all this? Like, uh, but we don't see anyone. We we hear something, we don't see anyone. And all of a sudden, hey buddy, Saul, you were okay like a half a second ago. And now you can't even see. And they pick him up and they take him to Damascus and verse 9 it says he, Paul he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink and everything changed for this guy the guy that was breathing murderous threats to the church has now an encounter with the guy he was persecuting and now is a follower of Christ to be the greatest missionary the ancient world has ever known Here's what I love about following Christ. That a true disciple or follower of Jesus has ceased to do what they want to do and begun to do what Christ wants them to do. That's great. Cease to do everything you desire. And now it's Christ. What do you want from me? I'm to do what you want. What's ironic about this story is Paul's headed to Damascus to arrest the Jesus movement followers. And what he's going to find out is that Jesus movement followers are now going to help him become exactly what God has and has designed him to do. And now this story gets really cool with a guy by the name of Ananias Ananias and the disciples know about this Paul guy and they don't want anything to do with him. Can you blame him? He's going around putting people to prison. You don't want Paul to show up in your city because he could have a letter in his hand to put you in jail. And so Ananias is gonna get this vision from God about this Paul guy that's gonna come and God needs to use Ananias now in Paul's life. Check this out. This gets fun. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. That's the best response when you hear the voice of God. Here I am. Here I am. He goes on. Get up and go to the street called Straight. By the way, this is a cool thing. The street called Straight was a was a street that was straight. (laughs) So there was three major roads in Damascus. Yeah, go figure, right? Three major roads in Damascus. The, The Straight Road was this giant road that was heavy in the middle for all sorts of traffic, and then there's a little road on either side of that road that had all the street vendors in it. It was like a market center artery, huge straight traffic on either side was like the market street vendors. And he's told to go there. And then he says, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul since he is praying there. You want a holy imagination for a moment? What do you think Ananias is thinking right now? The wrong Ananias, Lord. There's gotta be more Ananias is out there. Like, do you know this guy? This guy's here to arrest. Don't send me. He's gonna arrest me, probably. And then this is this in a vision, he, Paul, has seen a man named Ananias coming and placing his hands on him so he may regain his sight. I wonder if Ananias is like, oh, great day. I gotta go there. Lord, Ananias answered, Lord, I I heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And Lord, in case the Lord did not know this, he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. How many of you have wondered sometimes, God, are you sending the right person? Are you sure it's me? I wonder how many Christians go, God, I'm not quite qualified for this. Listen, God doesn't call the qualified. He'll equip the called. You just need obedience to step out in faith, and he'll equip you as you walk out obedience. That's for someone. You need to write that down. He will equip the called. Man, what would it look like, church, if we just became this giant army for Jesus? Instead of holding back, saying, I don't know if I know enough about the Bible. I don't know. Listen, this is why we need to get in the word so the word gets into us. So we can know the Bible. But listen, walking in obedience, he'll equip you. He'll give you exactly what you need for your walk. I wonder if we started to rise up and really walked into our callings and our lives, what kind of kingdom impact we would have. And then he goes on, he says, but the Lord said to him, Ananias, you, you go. For this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he has to suffer for my name. Chosen instrument chosen instrument the guy that was putting to death and voting death for christians the guy that's still ravaging the church the guy that blasphemy that arrogant man is your chosen instrument because ananias doesn't know quite yet paul's had an encounter with jesus and know this, we're transformed by Jesus, but we're also transformed for Jesus. And Paul, you've got a mission. You are my chosen instrument. You are transformed for me to go and bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And my message will spread in the entire world today. Two-thirds of your New Testament was written by this man who once wanted to stop the Jesus movement, was written by him. Which leads us to the third and final thought. Salvation builds to divine change. Salvation builds to divine change. You gotta know this Jesus always transforms. When we encounter Jesus, you are never left the same. You will walk differently. The story says Ananias, he gets there. I wonder the moment that Ananias walks into that room, if he isn't just slightly nervous. This is Ananias went and he entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, get these two words, brother Saul. <laughs> brother Saul. Saul, you are no longer persecuting Jesus. You now belong to the family of Jesus. Jesus. And you are now, Brother Saul. The beauty is, no matter where we've been in this life, no matter what we've done, God's grace and mercy is bigger than all of our mess. And he's come to save us, and he can save anyone. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, welcome to the family of God, brother and sister. This is a family. This is Brother Saul. He goes on. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, Has sent me, he sent me, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Who's God sending you to? Are you willing to be an Ananias to a Paul? Are you willing to be an Ananias to a Paul? Are you willing to even engage a Paul? Are you willing to be sent? And then he goes, at, at once, check this out. This, this must be crazy to be there. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that is, but I bet mean, that was pretty cool. Something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, this is a story of how God can save anyone. And it's a story about how God will use you, Ananias, to be sent out to go reach the Pauls in this world. God can save anyone. His grace and his mercy is bigger than all of our sins. Praise be to Jesus. Amen? I want you to sit back and watch this testimony. Hear this testimony of a moment how Jesus changed this man's life.
1: Hi, my name is Jeremy Woke. I'm 34 years old, and uh, this is my story. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I went to church, but um, I never really knew God. Um, I didn't know who Jesus Christ was, I didn't have a relationship with Him. And uh, through my life, uh, you know, just started to deteriorate. Um, got into drugs got into alcohol um, left the church for about 15 years or so Um, and then just really just just self-sabotaged through my life Um, just trying to find trying to fill a void that uh, had been in my heart the entire time Um, until two years ago October 2016 um, I was uh, in in a dark place I was living with my fiance, um, cheating on her, um, partying, uh, heavy cocaine addict, alcoholic, um, just wasn't a very good person. And uh, yeah, Thanksgiving uh, in 2016, I just encountered God. I I went to my parents' house. They were having a Thanksgiving party where almost 30 people from our church were there. And um, yeah, the Holy Spirit was so thick, the presence of God was so thick there that He just removed the scales from my eyes and 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 revealed to me how I was living my life. And uh, after that, um, I just went home shaking with my fiance at the time, and uh, you know, confessed to her about my addictions and about uh, about the affair that I was having. Um, we broke up, um, and uh, I moved back home to my parents' house. And uh, two weeks later, I found myself in church and. My pastor is preaching about the transforming power of Jesus Christ's love and in a moment uh, Jesus came and filled my heart with his love and uh, removed all my obsessions over alcohol, pornography, sex addiction, um, drugs, removed it all. Um, And I've had the most freeing, unbelievable life since that time. the walk through the transformation has been painful at times, but so worth it because the stuff, the, work, the stuff that he's worked me through has made me a better man, taught me how to love, taught me how to be loved, um, and I just owe my whole life to him. Um, since that day, he's taken me on uh, to Uganda to preach the gospel on a crusade. Uh, I was in Ecuador helping build a missionary's house. I was just in Brazil uh, preaching the gospel on the streets with some people and now i'm at bssm and he set a fire inside of me that no one can extinguish i just hope this will encourage you
0: stay in this heart posture for a moment i have nothing but a hallelujah i have nothing but a hallelujah Make him the greatest missionary, he can take the attic and make him an ambassador for him, and he can take all your failures and make you a follower of him because God can save anyone. What about your life? Where has God taken you? And our response is a hallelujah. Our response is only you. So as these lyrics go, there's a lion inside of my lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, church, you know where you've been and you know this Jesus that changes. Will you get up and shout praise to the Lord? Because he's a God that changes everything. So may the lion inside of your lungs come and praise Jesus, because with Jesus, he changes everything. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and
1: Instagram.